Grace is yours and mercy and peace. From God the Father, through our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. title of today's sermon is, So That He Might Come to You. The women got there pretty early, and they saw that the stone had been rolled away. Depends on which of the versions you read. All four of the Gospels, of course, and throughout all of Acts, we hear the story of Easter morning over and over again. And it's a story that is so overwhelming, so compelling, that it is understandable that every now and then somebody emphasizes one detail over another. It's hard to make a strict chronology of what happened on Easter morning because the reality of what happened is so overwhelming. Matthew tells us that the women saw the stone being rolled away. Other Gospels simply tell us that they were wondering, what are we going to do about the stone? And they found it rolled away. But my question for you today is, Why? Why was the stone rolled away? It probably wasn't to let Jesus out. Later in that day, he would come to his disciples. They had locked and barred the doors, and he came to them anyway. Doors and locks and bars are not going to stop him. And even earlier than that, Jesus was raised from the dead early Easter morning and descended into hell through the sealed tomb. He descended into hell and left the tomb where he sh- and she showed himself in hell to be alive again. He bodily entered hell when he wanted to. And he left without anyone able to stop him. Because he didn't go there to suffer. There's a, there's a nice little Agnus Dei uh, cartoon that asks, well, why did he go to, the, go to hell then? And the answer is, to cancel our reservations. He went down there to celebrate his victory. You remember the pictures that you've seen from the end of World War II, where the Allies are driving straight down the streets of Berlin in triumph, and nobody can stop them? That's what Jesus did to hell. He had conquered. He had free reign. If he had no trouble, however, leaving the tomb while the stone was still in place, why was it moved now? If it wasn't to let Jesus out, maybe it was to let the angels in. That doesn't seem likely either. Angels appear wherever God sends them. They often show up in secure and guarded prisons throughout the scripture. They end up in people's homes, even though the doors are secured. They even show up 
in the book of Daniel in a sealed lion's den. The angels go where God sends them. No stone door is going to stop them. So if the point is not to let Jesus out or let the angels in, why was the stone rolled away? One of the reasons the stone was rolled away was to break the seal of Rome. I'm sure it wasn't one of the most important reasons, but it's still significant. It shows that Jesus is in control, not Pilate who ordered him killed and then ordered the tomb to be sealed, not Rome whose power and authority lay behind that seal, not the armed guards stationed outside, nor the temple authorities who had begged that the guards be placed there. The authority rests with God. The earth shake, the soldiers shake. And as the Lord had said to, the, said to Pilate, soldiers and empires can only do what Jesus lets them do. Christ is in control. But the most significant reason, although it's never spelled out word for word in the scripture, I think you'll be with me on this, I think the most significant reason the stone was rolled away was to let the women in. And then later in the day to let the disciples into the tomb. So they could see that it was empty. That Jesus was not there any longer. And now two of the disciples were told, from the gospel according to John, two of the disciples run to the tomb. Do you remember who it was? You're allowed to say something. Peter and John, right. So why Peter and John? Why Peter and John? Maybe, maybe because of the fact that Peter always acts and then some days later considers his action. Okay? He's, he's one of those guys who's, who's uh, ready, shoot, aim. Anyway, uh, that's, one, that's what Peter is like. He's very impetuous. But John doesn't seem to be that way. Maybe it lies in their character or maybe it's because they're part of the inner circle, Peter, James, and John. But only those two disciples run to the tomb. I've wondered for years. Maybe it's because of something the women said that sparked a memory in Peter, James, and John. A memory that none of the other people would have. A memory of something that happened when only Peter, James, and John were with Jesus. When on the Mount of Transfiguration, Jesus stood with Moses on one side and Elijah on the other, and his clothes were shining like the sun, and they spoke about his need to go to Jerusalem. 
to suffer and to die and to be raised again from the dead. And as they were walking away, as the disciples were walking away after Moses and Elijah had been taken away again, they said, uh, you know, Jesus, we have questions. We were told that Elijah was going to come back again. We weren't told that he'd leave again right away. Not only that, didn't you tell us that John the Baptist is Elijah returned? And Jesus said, yes, I did. Okay. And Jesus shuts down any further questioning when he says, nothing more of this. Not for now. And don't tell anyone about it until the Son of Man has been raised from the dead. And the disciples walked away silently with Jesus wondering, what does that mean, the Son of Man raised from the dead? But they kept their promise. They honored what they promised their Lord, and they had told no one. From the time that Jesus' glory was revealed, where his clothes shone. Now the women came and they said, Jesus isn't here. And the, the, the angels who are speaking have clothes that shine like the sun. And they say that the Son of Man has been raised from the dead. I don't know if hairs raised on the back of their necks, but I can tell you this, that they ran to the tomb. John ran faster. He was younger. You know, I've often, often thought there'd be many young people who would beat me to the tomb. But, yeah, that's a double, that's a pun, yes, that's right. But, uh, but anyway, there's, there's the fact that John got there first, but he just stood and looked in. But Peter, I don't know if he couldn't slow down in time, but he goes right on into the tomb. I think it's just, once again, Peter's personality. He has to see. And what does he see? What he sees is the linens just the burial linens and the napkin that had covered Jesus' face. They call it the veil. It's the, same, uh, it's the same name that we have for what we use to cover the elements on the altar. We call that the veil. He sees those, but he doesn't see Jesus. And he goes away wondering, And Mary goes back. And Jesus comes back to her. Jesus appears to all of the women, and later in the day, before the evening comes, Jesus appears to Peter. We don't have a record of that. But if you ever wanted to spend five sweet minutes, listen to Don Francisco's 
Easter song where he imagines Peter being greeted by his Lord. This the disciples had to see for themselves. Peter had seen that the guard outside the tomb was gone. The Lord inside the tomb was gone. But then Jesus came to him as he wondered. And once he came, Peter had to share that message with the rest of the disciples. And even though Jesus had given the command that they were to meet him in Galilee, instead they locked themselves in a room in Jerusalem. Well played, well played. But Jesus doesn't let that stop him. He appears to them there. And he tells them, now go to meet me in Galilee. And so they snap into action and stay for another week. But eventually he meets them there in Galilee. The women had come and heard and seen, and then they ran to go and tell. Mary Magdalene did all of that and then returned to mourn and weep, but her risen Lord came to her. The disciples heard, but could make no sense of it until Jesus came to them. Cleopas and the other Emmaus disciple heard about all of this, and they shared every detail of it with the man who joined them on the road, not knowing that at that time Jesus had come to them as well. The stone was rolled away and the tomb was empty. And Jesus came to all of them. And that made all the difference. And it makes all the difference to us. For we have not only heard about Jesus or stood looking at an empty space where we think Jesus should be or where we think he should be found. Jesus, despite our disobedience, our reluctance, our tendency not to take him at his word, Jesus comes to us. First in the washing of the holy baptism, first in the power of the word, and then sustaining us throughout life in the water, in the, wine, in, the, in the wafer, and the wine. These means of grace were given so that every day, if you choose, the risen Lord can come to you in his most holy name. Amen. Now may the peace of God, which passes all understanding, keep our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus to life everlasting. Amen.
in holy baptism. Oh, please stand. In holy baptism, our sins are forgiven and we are granted a new life in Christ our Lord. I ask you as a reaffirmation of what God has done for you in your baptism, do you renounce the devil and all his works and all his ways? Do you believe in God the Father Almighty? Do you believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son? Yes. 